Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. I'm super excited to have on the show today an old friend. She's not old. She's just been a friend for a long time. Um, Nancy Tilton Hand. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, thank you for having me on. I am excited to talk to you and it has been um, top of mind. So yay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know you and know you pretty well. We actually went to, uh, I think, junior high together and then, Mm -hmm. you know, so, but the audience does not know you. So let's have you tell a little bit about yourself to the people who are listening. Well, um, I'll, I'll start with probably the thing everybody cares most about, it seems. I bake sourdough bread as a hobby. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's it called? It's really cute, y'all. <laughs> Actually, yeah, um, I call it hands off my loaf. And <laughs> I, I started doing it like um, about eight years ago. And I got good enough that I started teaching classes at Auburn University Outreach. And then one Christmas, people said, can, can I buy some bread? And so that little sort of sideline um, developed. And what's interesting, and it's kind of kind of lead into my you know, normal job, is that the Christmas that I ended up baking and actually selling some loaves to neighbors in Auburn, Alabama, was um, I met more of my neighbors in a three-week period than I had in 14 years living there. And I love it. it was, and I made some really good friends that I still have from that three week blip on the radar because that was um, right before we moved, really. That was the Christmas before we moved out of Auburn. So at the time I was kind of like shaking my head, like, I wish I had done this sooner, you know, because I met some really great people. And when I tell people what I do for a living, um, it is based around relationships, friendships, and networking. And I have, I started in contract law. I actually started way before that, but we'll start there. And I've been a mediator since 2000. And so contracts, mediation led to teaching people rapport skills and negotiation skills. And for me, at every, at every step in my career, I've there's been a moment where I say, you know what, let's just skim the goodie off the top and run with it. And that went from law to corporate training and negotiation and interpersonal communication skills. And that I've just skimmed the top off and I'm focusing on friendships now because. Awesome. Nancy, I want to say, I love the bread thing because the bread story (laughs) is so good. It, It does play right into what you do for a living because as you know, um, breaking bread builds relationships. Yes. So yeah, it's a very powerful metaphor for something much more, um, you know, deep, much deeper, much more meaningful, you know, relationships with people are everything to people like you and me. And we live our lives in service to others. So I love that story. And I think it ties right into what you do for a living. Well, tell me a little more about your day-to-day job, if you will, or what you've chosen to do with the brunt of your life. Well, it, uh, relationships have always been very important to me. I'll go a little bit further back, which um, I had a, a father who was a, a litigation attorney who um, could be a, a challenging person to com- with whom to communicate. And I'm married to one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. 
and my my wonderful mother, as wonderful as she was, was the balance to that. And so she, it was almost like Kirk and Spock. And oh yeah, <laughs> so she was more, much more reserved and stoic in her communication. And and er, we usually err on the side of just being quiet. And so my ability to communicate and read people had to develop early, and it did. And um, my dad also. Um, he was a very high functioning alcoholic. I'll call it that. Um, but you didn't know what you were going to get sometimes. And yeah. so the ability to be ultra, very sensitive to the emotional temperature of someone came, became actually one of my tools early on. And I, I honestly genuinely really like people. I'm fascinated by people. <laughs> and no, she is, um, one of those people that like I've been accused of being is overly enthusiastic and perky and positive, <laughs> you know, like in your face, positive and, you know, yay. Um, but brilliant too. I mean, like studies show that people who are super friendly are, are viewed as incompetent, but that's fake. That's not true. That's, you know, that is what people think, but it's wrong. It's wrong. Nancy's highly just brilliant, just brilliant. And I like to, favor myself as such. Um, but we're very positive people and we believe you create the reality, your own reality. So, um, I love what you do and that you've been open enough to share this, you know, rather sad story. Let me ask you this, Nancy, what is your Myers-Briggs personality? It just changed. <laughs> I was an ENTJ and after, after working with of an amazing, amazing coach. Her name is Karen Molin, and I'm, I'm calling her out because she's that good. I will go to the deepest, deepest bottom, the deepest lake with my clients. Karen will go off the continental shelf and hold your hand while you do it. And she and I worked through a lot of um, early patterning and behavioral stuff and just, you know, memories and things that stick around too long and changed my Myers-Briggs. And I was a solid ENTJ and now I'm showing up as a very clear ENTP. Well, I think the E's and the I's um, are, you know, they change and the, the, the J's and the P's as well. So it's mm -hmm. those two middle letters that really stay solid <clears throat> throughout your life. But that's so interesting. Um, I'd love to have her on my podcast if she's ever interested. If she's if she's that kind of woman that will jump she off. Would the, be. Yeah, she's yeah. Fun. That's amazing. What a great um, shout out to another woman in business. And that's what this is all about. This whole podcast is about shining a light on women who do great things to move the needle. One, for themselves. Two, for others. And three, for the, you know, the whole of us. Yes. And I really love what you're doing, especially because women... I think, I think in our society, we're all kind of trained into the patriarchy. And oh, yeah. the more I talk to people about friendships and, and how, those, how those hold together throughout the years, the more I see there's a little difference between the way men friend and women friend. And I think that to support each other really properly, we have to rethink how we, how we support each other. Well, now you're speaking my language. You know, this mm -hmm. is what I teach, how men friend and communicate versus how women friend and communicate or how they business or how they, whatever, how they do whatever they do. It is different. So you know it intimately <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, I'm running across all sorts of things like the real reality. And I, uh, it's in my life too, to some degree where 
one partner takes the social load. Um, and usually it's the woman, but not all the time. And it's, it's been fascinating to me to talk to men who are the, the social director of their union or uh, the hub of their friend group, because they, they really are, it's a joy to talk to those, those guys and anybody who, who's willing to step into that role and be the hub of a, a large social group. It's a lot to do. The hubby, um, the hubby hub. <laughs> the hubby hub. Let me ask you this. When you interview these gentlemen, do you find they ask you a lot of questions or no? They do. That's they do. That's and that, I think that's part of that personality too. They're, yeah, they're curious. Yeah, don't engage in that. Yeah, that's pretty, that's amazing. And I think the bottom line is being interested in other people and out of your own head. And that's that's been you know, when you grow up in a situation where you're kind of self-conscious, because even an introvert, even a natural connector can feel self-conscious or inhibited somehow. And it gets, I think, your nature, the nature-nurture thing, the nature can be there and the nurture um, might have trained that gregariousness out or shamed it out. Um, and so when when we talk, I think I bring that out in people as well. If you're a natural connector, you need to be connecting. Hello. And if you're, <laughs> but if you're not a natural connector, it's fine. You're happy with it. And and I think that there's a there's been a, a kind of a I don't know a badge of honor attached to introversion, which is fine if it's natural for you. Um, what I've been finding is a lot of people saying, "Well, I'm an introvert, but." Or yeah. Next, yeah. Extrovert, well, a lot of but. people don't understand that those change sometimes, you know? Yes. I'm both extroverted and introverted. I mean, I refuel. That's the, yes. that's the definition. How do you refuel? For me, it's time alone, writing in a journal, uh, sketching, mm -hmm. uh, you know? So one might say, well, that's true introversion behavior. But when I am on, I am on. I can work the room mm -hmm. just like you, you know? So um, I find all that so fascinating. I love the Enneagram. If you've never taken it, take it. It's, okay. you know, it's, I'll send you the link. Um, it talks about your unconscious self, your unconscious. Um, I am very much an eight. And when you take it and you learn what that means, you're going to laugh out loud because you're going to be like, <laughs> ah, nailed it. Totally. Um, gotcha. but that comes with its challenges, you know, so mm -hmm. as they all do, as they all do. Let me ask you a little bit about your work at Auburn University. So what is it that you do there? I know you do things often. You're very well connected there and you enjoy the, the you're lucky to live or have Ooh. lived in that well, community. Have we're in, in Memphis now and yeah. I have, um, I've, I worked through outreach and with the, the Blue Ridge Con uh, Conference on Leadership. I've presented there, but I taught interview interview skills, networking, planning, and sourdough bread baking. <laughs> I love it. And you know what? You really should uh, market the ties that come <laughs> uh, with the sourdough bread baking and building relationships. That's super powerful. You know, uh, I, talk about a, an icebreaker. I have a story that you'll appreciate because we went to um, our high school, sort of a multi-grade year reunion in Atlanta. And it was, my brother and I went and it was um, packed, you know, there were about 30 or so people. And I was standing in a group of about um, seven people and me 
in a circle, you know, and everybody was just kind of passing things around. And they were, there were people who had just graduated, you know, they're 20 somethings, 30 somethings, 40 somethings, 60 somethings. And we're just standing there shooting the bull. And somebody said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, for fun. Wait, and I told them all what I did, like normal, you know, I'm, I'm a coach, and a trainer. And yeah, I gave them the, the LinkedIn version. And then I said, and I teach sourdough bread baking at Auburn University. And I swear in this, I see it in my head. Everybody in that little circle stepped forward and leaned in at the same time. It was like suddenly we're in a huddle and somebody said, you bake sourdough. And I'm like, really people? I think that's awesome. <laughs> like, I have life changing <laughs> skills for you and you want the bread. And so but they're inter interconnected. Like I think they're inextricably yes. linked. If you're doing this, like I think you're doing it and I don't know for sure. Oh yeah. I can imagine <laughs> you're, parlaying one into the other and I think that's what makes yes. it so powerful hey everybody loves sourdough bread it's the most popular bread out of San Francisco but to I parlay know. that into something that builds relationships that may either you know enhance your personal life or grow and protect your business that's that's awesome I think yes um, and as far as as far as a um, an appreciation as well it has been you know priceless that's great. You That's better bet I get the best pet sitting ever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. Um, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? You've done quite a few things, published a couple books and baked bread. So what is your proudest moment? Or has it happened yet? Wow. You know what? <laughs> that is a tough, tough question because I have, on the books, I have a lot of accomplishments. I have accomplished just a lot of the dream. I have two books. Um, I've, I've talked in front of hundreds of people, which was a big deal for me. I'm not a natural speaker. I am now though. Um, but the first thing that popped into my head when you said this, and um, it's going to sound kind of silly, but this is why I do what I do. And he's not even a client. Um, we are restoring a house in Memphis. And I accidentally ended up being the general contractor. Just the realtor had a handyman who knew somebody who knew somebody. And suddenly I looked up one day and I've got crew and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what, what I'm doing. And the electrician who came, we hit it off right away. Um, and he was, he was doing okay, but kind of getting by, but his work ethic was through the roof. His work was, stellar and he helped me navigate that that um process and i i gave him a really good review on next door which everybody you know has it's the little neighborhood app thing big d whoop right that was a year ago and he was one guy um with an old truck now he's three guys with two trucks <laughs> that's awesome and and my my recommendation was solid and he's been working his business has expanded so much and, and I'm right. And since I was right, he's gotten more good reviews. And so it was like watching, you know, water in a pond just ripple out like, wow. And, and I call them love letters cause I'll open next door every now and then. And there's just a shining glowing love letter to him. I'm like, there it is. And I'll, I'll send it to him. We've got another love letter, but his, That's he's awesome. tur turning away business and referring it out now. And he's been able through this process because he really wanted to focus on elect electrical work only to focus on that one thing. And I know 
as a proudest proudest moment maybe there are bigger ones and more um i don't know traditionally laudable accomplishments but for this right now for me at this moment i've changed somebody's life that's awesome that's awesome and that so would you say your proudest professional moment was publishing the two books and the research that went into that? And then your proudest personal accomplishment is shining a light on this person and changing his life, like growing and protecting his business and feeding his kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, my well, proudest. Let, let's ask you this. I want to ask you this. So I know and love your brother, Josh. He's amazing. Um, he's mm -hmm. brilliant. He's mm -hmm quite a relief for me um, when I when I I'm like I'm struggling with these people or with this issue or let's talk about this or I know you are aware of primary sources let's let's you know where can I find this by so and so and he's always there to help he's super bright and super um, mm -hmm. just he's not just smart he's smart and approachable you know he's yes. not, yeah he's definitely not aloof um, anyway I would say he's one of my uh, mentors, but who has been your inspirational mentor? Who in your um, life has moved you? My mom. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And she, she was, um, um, I, I will probably work my whole life to live up to her legacy. Oh, you be you, girl. I know your mom was <laughs> great. And I know. Sorry. I know you recently lost her not too, too long ago. But you are amazing, and you will find your own, you know. Um, oh, I, I absolutely. But she was, she was a mentor, like, I, she was a dream of a mentor. She was. Really. Yeah, and, I was sad when I heard the news. Um, but just the things that the quiet. I mean, she was a quiet person, but she also very quietly. I remember her lobbying the state senate um, because they were going to do, they were going to pass some dastardly bill regarding nutritionists. And she had a, yeah, exactly. She had a PhD in, in food science and nutrition and it would have, it would have disenfranchised people of her level. <clears throat> and, and actually she had been in private practice for over 20 years at that point, And they were going to mandate that she go and train for a year under a lunch lady. I'm not kidding. And she was the only one who took up the cause and she marched down to the Senate every day. And she, she, she prevailed. Good. Um, I was going to ask the outcome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but she not was just quite a force. That's good. But you know, she ushered some uh, product through the FDA. That's a big process. But like, just quietly, kind of going about her business. But also her ability to research and find the information, which you see, Josh and I both do <laughs> very well. Um, and I would, I would say, I had a, a negotiation mentor named Jim. For about two years, um, we we connected, met, had a really great relationship, and then he passed away. So, not nearly long enough. But in the two years I knew him, I learned so much about my business and about um, about the work I I could take, and that I could turn away big jobs. And that was one of the hardest things I ever did. And to have to be able to call somebody and get a pat on the back, like "Way to go, kiddo." You turn down a jerk. It would have been good money, but I would have been treated badly. And as he he was able to remind me, he's like, "You're working for you. You choose." Yeah. And for me, Let me ask you this: Was he also a sponsor? A lot of people don't know the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. He's clearly a mentor. Was he a sponsor, or do you know? No, he he and I were were friends. I he, gotcha. Um, but 
that was when I realized that conversation with him, and this is worth worth saying because um, it's just a good thought, especially when women are concerned. I think that women who are in the workforce as entrepreneurs, solos, and that kind of thing, we're kind of the pace car for everybody else in a way, because we choose the work. We choose with whom we work. We choose what we charge. We, we make those choices ourselves. And when we are able to stand up and say, this is the quality of work I'm doing. This is what it really is worth. This is what, this is who I'm willing to you know, work with and why. We open doors for everybody else. Everybody else. I agree. I agree. So we're the benchmark, the metric by which other solopreneurs might be measured or measure themselves. But mm -hmm. everyone has the chance to just compete against their own highest and best self. And that's yes. what I try to do. I try not yes. to worry about anybody else and just be a better person than I was yesterday because that's all I can control. Right. So yes. let me ask you on that note, um, I do believe in lifting others as I myself rise. So mm -hmm. how can we support other women in business as women? Spreading the word, of course, when, when, if it's a product or a service you believe in, um, absolutely be congruent about things. Um, patronizing women businesses. I think it's very important. And, and it's, you, you sometimes have to do a little homework too, to make, you know, to find that. But I think that um, showing, showing the girls coming up, and thankfully they're so bold now, a lot of them, um, that it's, it's not unique. We're, we're past that now. And this is, this is the way things are now and you can do this. Um, do you find that younger women have less, um, of the, um, oh, it just flew right out of my head. I, I never suffered it, which is odd, but, um, most women do suffer imposter syndrome. That's it. Do you find younger mm -hmm. women because of our work may not be suffering that as much? Yes. I think that, I think that the work that we've done, that my, my mom did, yeah. I think all of that has had a, a huge smoothing effect on the road they're traveling now. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, it just depends too on, on, um, on where they are too. And I, yeah. I know every, every culture is going to be a little bit different, but um I think in a large part, yes. Because, I mean, when you can look on, on TV and the movies even and, and see how far women have come. Not far enough, uh, but, you know, we're getting there. Right, right. Um, studies show that we're entering the workforce, we're graduating, we're at, you know, stellar rates, but we're not moving up the ladder as we should be. So we need more women in management and leadership and executive positions. I'm working on it. Working yes. On it. So yes. speaking of that's, paving the way or path or road, it, I'm going to stick with that analogy and ask you, has there been a roadblock or a pothole or, you know, tell me some challenge or setback you've had and how did you overcome it? My challenges and setbacks are almost entirely manufactured by me. <laughs> I will. said almost every woman ever. <laughs> I, I, I own it. Um, I, and it's, it's, I have, I am proudly ADD <laughs> and I say proudly because it is a gift when it's managed correctly. And when it's not, it can be troublesome. And I say that about my being obsessive compulsive. It's like, um, great in the workplace, hell on a marriage. <laughs> yes. And, 
the the creativity aspect of things and and you know this about josh too we'll we'll sit and brainstorm something up and want to go straight into it but you have to you have to do an environmental check or an ecology check and see that how does this fit into things how does this fit into what i'm doing and i've been learning progressively throughout my life um a great idea maybe a great idea for later or yeah. a great idea for someone else and i've i've been very good about um when i when i come up with something that i think is phenomenal and i think someone else is better suited for it i'll i'll say hey you interested that's and a big deal i do that too i think that's important say that it again. is a big deal yeah that is really uh, you know that's about collaborating versus competing and yes. more of us need to do that it, if not if when i come up with ideas that i think are worth pursuing but not for me in this moment uh, i'm in like right now i'm into something very deeply and i'm excited about it i can't cover every aspect of it there may be somebody better suited for certain parts of what i'm doing even looking at friendship and teaching um, the fine art of friendship and networking at a, a more personal level because it is who you know and it really helps to be able to just call somebody instead of have to email back and forth or contact them through LinkedIn. But well, along that, with that, running parallel maybe etiquette or something else that someone else would be better hand, you know, to handle that, you know? That's and, awesome. That's awesome. So not to cut you off on the challenge or setback, um, mm -hmm. but you, you mentioned that you're your own worst enemy in that. Can you give us one example of a challenge or setback that you created that you then overcame? Hmm. Recent? Uh, yeah. I would say yeah, on the, on the recent one, we didn't have to buy a fixer-upper house. There's one. <laughs> we, we bought a house in, in, in a historic district of Memphis. We could have but done something turnkey and I could have hit the hit the floor running here. But instead we we ended up in a house that I love, that we both love, in a really great neighborhood, et cetera. But it needed love. And we've loved on it for a whole year. We had to love a new roof onto it. And 1948, pretty much untouched. So we started with gutting the kitchen. So um, I created that. That was a choice that I made. Um, and I would, I'm not going to say I lost a year because oddly enough, in the midst of renovation and remodeling, I worked more than I thought I could. And, and so I will say this, the whole, um, I don't have time or I have too much going on excuse is completely moot for me because I've already proven to myself that I can. Now I can't use that one anymore. So, well, let me ask uh -huh. you this. Have you ever faced any bias or any, you know, what kind of, professional challenge or setback have you faced and how did you overcome it? Like, has there ever been any, you know, a solution that I might share with my audience who they're professional women and they're looking for um, advice, tips, you know, on how to combat bias or how to focus on conscious inclusion versus, versus that phrase unconscious bias. Let's focus on conscious inclusion. Okay. Um, I can give you one current, um, example of a bias <laughs> it was a, a someone who who does podcasting here in memphis and i was originally gonna, gonna going to do my podcast sort of on site at this place and not having done a whole lot of research 
on the matter. I went and talked to them and they they put out a number that just blew my mind. It's like, whoa. Like it was it was for what? A number for what? Like a price to use their studio or what do you mean? Right, a monthly for the for for four recordings, five thousand a month. And I was like, whoa. That's you not know, I sit in my guest room with my desk and my map on the wall, my lamps on and right. record off right. my laptop. So, but it was because I didn't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went and did my research. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. But I think that, I think that especially um, in areas where tech is concerned, there's, there's the propensity for people to underestimate women. And so did you find that they charge men less? Is that, is that, was that the, or you were just flabbergasted? Oh. Yeah, actually I can give you a better example and I hate to do it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Oh, I'm not going to name names. So, um, I had, a, a light come on in my car last, last year and I'd seen it before and I, I went to the auto zone and I said, can you plug it in and see what the code is? And I got the code and I had an idea what it was and I needed to go to the dealer and have them pull a code because they have a, a special machine that really gets the details, right? So I called them and they said, yeah, come on in, we'll pull the code for you. So I get there and I'm signing these papers and I looked at it and I said, what is this for? It's 135 bucks. And I'm like, what? Well, we're going to, you know, pull the code. And I'm like, no, you're not doing that. And so I was like, give me the keys back. I'm out of here. <laughs> and so I left, but I was fuming and I went home and uh, my husband was there for lunch. And I was like, can you call them and see what they would charge you to pull a code? And so he called the dealer and they quoted him $65. Wow. And if you want to, you can see what I wrote on Yelp and Google <laughs> and Facebook. And I got a prompt response and I got some free services and I am using them, but, um, I closely monitor what they do with the cars. And I can tell you another one, dealerships, gotta love them. I had anything, one dealership. Anything in your professional setting though? Uh, like, so, no, or, actually, know, kind of, no. That's all. I, I have not had any issues professionally um, that, I, that I've noticed. That have, yeah. made a, that, have made a, that have made a difference for me. That's awesome. You're very and fortunate. It, yes. I am. I will say that. Um, well, let me ask you this. I want to tell the audience something. Uh, we're wrapping up. We're at 41 minutes. Um, excellent. Wow. Let me ask you a little. You've told us so much about you, so many surprising facts about you. I'm not sure <laughs> if this question is meaningful at this stage, but I'm going to give it a shot. Can you tell us something surprising about you that maybe even your inner circle doesn't know? Hmm. I think your fact that you bake bread and build relationships is pretty awesome, but. Um, okay. I'll tell you how I keep in touch with people because I have a very large circle of, of um, friends and acquaintances. And I think um, it's a lot of people struggle with keeping up with others. And my, my method is, is kind of intuitive. If, if somebody pops into my mind, I'll reach out. And if I don't have time to reach out or I'm busy or distracted or whatever, if they pop in a second time, it's done. It's in the moment, like right then. That's I'll a text. message there. Yes. And I, I will say 
99% of the time, the feedback is, oh my gosh, I was just talking about you, thinking about you, telling somebody about you, yeah, um, looking at your book, or, or I was checking out your website again, and it's, it's, that connection was already there, sure. and, and that's my, my advice to people is when people pop into your mind, even obscure people, somebody you haven't thought of in ages, hit them up. You know, whether it's, um, you know, Facebook message or, you know, LinkedIn or whatever, go and say hi. I because love that. chances are it's, it's a two-way street. Sure. And, and you probably crossed their mind too. I call it and, getting a hit. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> someone who's never even smoked pot, I can say getting a hit for me is an intuitive hit. <laughs> not, well, that, that, not that I'm judging those who have, I'm just saying so, well, here's, here's my quick analogy. And when somebody pops in like that, when somebody touches base with you out of the blue, it feels like getting um, a letter or a postcard, or it feels like um, overhearing somebody talking about you in a great way. It's, it's that same little dopamine hit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice to, um, because it shows that other people find value in the relationship you have with them. So I think that's always meaningful, especially to an ENFJ or an E, I'm an E slash I ENFJ. We okay. care a lot about um, relationships. It's our reason for breathing. So, and I think people, it's yeah the most important thing we have right now. And I think if you're a good, if you know how to be a good friend and we're the, the people who, report not having a confidant right now has gone up by a third. Yeah. So I now, mean, it's, people it's talk important. about loneliness and suicide and the connection yes. and how um, the digital, you know, world, digital age has made all that worse because we hide behind our laptops and our avatars. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you this, it's, it's, um, I always remind people, you know, being lonely is terrible. It's, it's like a punishment. This is why we're, I think in our country, the, the worst form of punishment for someone is solitary confinement. So get like out Snoopy. from behind, yeah, get out from behind <laughs> the electronics. Yes, ma'am. And, and that's, that's a great, that's a great message going forth into the, into the rest of the week. Put down and your phone year. and say hi. Yes. <laughs> Close so the have a happy, happy, robust new year. I hope all goes well with your remodeling your home. Thank you, ma'am. Your, your podcast takes off. I know you're working on your website. Do you want to mention your website and how people can reach you? Yes, because I do, I do coaching and social, social confidence coaching. And you can find me at nancytiltonhand.com or nancyhand.com. And the podcast is going to be called Friends on Hand. And we're just talking to friends about different aspects of friendship, um, create setting boundaries. Um, what do you do when your friend is famous? Things like that. So um, ins and outs and the nuts and bolts of being a good friend. Because when you're a good friend, you're a better spouse, you're a better employer, employee, partner, everything is improved. So these are the baseline skills and we're just going to talk about those. Nice. Nancy, let me ask you this. Um, last question. Have you ever read any of Adam Grant, especially his give and take book? No. Okay. So you got to read Adam Grant's give and take. It's, it's remarkable. Mm. And on your podcast, you should ask Maybe, maybe, you know, we'll talk about this before you start podcasting or, or uh -huh. another day, but I am, and you are, I think a giver and there's a fine line between mm -hmm. givers who set boundaries and are successful and able mm -hmm. to say no when they need to. 
and those who are just giving like a, a you know, bleeding, needing a tourniquet kind of giving. Yes. Um, yes. People pleasers. It's very unhealthy. And um, so read his book. You'll love it. He talks about givers, matchers, and takers. So, yes. Um, well, you have to put that go. oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help anybody else. Yes. Great analogy. Well, Nancy, mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for I having can't me. wait to try your bread someday. Oh, well, you're in San Francisco. I feel kind of, it feels kind of sacrilege to send sourdough <laughs> to the mothership, you know? Let me be the decider on that, the decision maker on that. How about, yeah. how about I send you chocolate sourdough? Oh, you're so sweet. No, no need, no really need. Well. I'm trying to lose all this weight I bitch about. And if I lose all the weight, then I won't be able to bitch anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And I can't bitch either, so. All right, fabulous week. So much. All right. Have a good day, everybody.